I don't know about you guys, but I like projects. Does anybody like projects? Does anybody like challenges? I like challenges. Now, sometimes challenges are really rough. I meant to bring it in here, but when I was working on my doctorate, I remember one night sitting in my office and just breaking out into tears. And I just sat there and cried, I can't do this, I can't do this. Because you'd write something and you would submit it to your professor and your readers. You had readers and all this stuff. And it looked like they died on your paper. And you'd have to go back and redo it. And then you'd submit it and it looked like they died again. You'd have to redo it. And they, you know, please tell this. Please why this. Why are you doing this? And then, and then at the end, you have to go stand before the faculty. And they grill you uh, on your project. And you have to uh, be able to answer those questions. But I remember... About, I don't know, probably about a quarter way into it, I just, I was worn out. I uh, Usually after a master's, uh, you have to wait three years before you can do a doctorate. But because I already had a, a first master's, after I got my second, they let me go straight into the doctorate. But I hit the wall about, a, about I don't know, about a year. And I remember just sitting in my office crying. It's like, I just can't do this. I just can't. It's just too hard. You know, now I love challenges. But sometimes you ever get to a challenge where you just can't, it's like, I just can't. And you just want to give up. I, I know that feeling. And you know, the one thing about Christmas time, it can be really challenging for a lot of people in a lot of ways. First of all, you may have family members that you just don't want to deal with at Christmas, but you have to be nice, right? So you have to smile and you have to give them gifts. And that can be a challenge for other people. Christmas time's a challenge because, well, it's your first Christmas without a loved one or Maybe without a child. So we have, of course, you all know one son and he's in Chicago. And uh, we said, are you coming to be home at Christmas? And he said, no, I'm going with my girlfriend to be with her at Christmas. I knew that day was coming. But, you know, it's just that, okay, you know, so maybe this thing's heating up with, with the girlfriend thing. We don't know. But so, you know, it's going to be with out Jeremy and that's kind of you know he was just here a few weeks ago so he's probably oh, I've seen mom and dad you know I'll go do something else so that's challenging it's going to be a little sad for us on Christmas time but, you know the other thing about Christmas is hectic schedules challenging running from place to place party to party uh, things like that for some people in the weight loss industry it's a challenge Okay, because we're getting it's I tell people uh, that it's the diet demon type of the year. Okay, it's the most wonderful time of the year for the diet demon because we have cookies and cakes and candies and parties after parties after parties. And so for a lot of people who are trying to lose weight or maintain weight, this is really a challenging time of the year. And, and this the reality is life's full of challenges, right? Not just at Christmas, but we all have challenges and, and, and we have to face those challenges. And I heard a story of, of a of a captain who was on a sinking ship and there was a captain and there were three other crew members. And he says, guys, he said, I'm going to tell you this whole idea of the captain going down with the ship is not going to work for me. So I have a little boat here and there's three of us. Now there's, you can only see three. There's four of us here. So one of us isn't going and I'm not going down with this ship if I can help it. So he said, I'm going to choose two others and you have to answer the question. Whoever gets the, the questions wrong you don't get a go. So the captain looked and he said, okay. He looked at the first sailor. And he said, all right, here's the question for you, sailor. What is the unsinkable ship that sank? The sailor said, the Titanic, sir. He said, you're right. So yes, you got to go. Down, down to two. Only one can go. Look at the second one. He said, okay, sailor, tell me how many people died on the Titanic? He said, 1,517, sir. 
He said, okay. Now it's down to the captain of the sailor. So he looked at the other side and he said, okay, give me their names. Obviously he couldn't. So the captain got to go, oh, y'all are slow. I don't know. Okay. I just, there you go. smiling. Okay. Whew. All right. So, you know, life is full of challenges. And, and when, when we're faced with the future, there's a lot of challenges. For a lot of folks, the future is challenging because of retirement. Am I going to get a retirement? Am I going to have enough money to retire? Maybe you're all retired. Is our money going to last us through retirement? That's a challenge. For some people, business can be challenging. I understand that one. Uh, business can be very challenging at times. And, and so how are we going to make it? What are we going to do? What, how are we going to shift gears? For the church, it can be challenging. As you know, here at Warren, a couple months ago, we unveiled the vision for Warren Baptist Church. It's called The Hub. And uh, a lot of you, if you haven't noticed, you'll see our blessing box out there. As far as I know, we're the first ones in Indianapolis to do this. And some people are getting things from the blessing box. And that's just our way of building a bridge to the community. Next month, we're going to start our uh, Mom's Night Out on Friday night. And we're super excited about that uh, coming along. We're, of course, we uh, did a bunch of shoe boxes. We're taking uh, over to the Baptist Metro Center. How many, Judy, on my brain just slipped? 30? 30 shoeboxes uh, to the Baptist Metro Center. And then we also provided a lot of corn to help the families. Um, I went over to the school this week to talk to them about adopting a family for Christmas. We have several here in our church who are involved in the mentoring program now at Lakeside Elementary, and we're providing snacks for that. Next week, part of our little hub for Christmas season, in addition to the family and the shoeboxes, is we're going to go Christmas caroling after we eat. So we're going to have service. We're going to eat. If you can sing, if you can't sing, that's fine. Uh, we're just going to uh, we're going to go. Uh, we're planning on going over here to Lakeview Apartments because you can stand in the hallway and it sounds like you're in a cathedral and there's four apartments. So everybody can hear us in there singing and hopefully come out and uh, we can bless our neighbors that way. Uh, this last Wednesday, Roger and I uh, met with the uh, IMPD's um, Eastern District uh, Police Resource Officer, as well as we met our beat cop here in the area. And um, so his name's Randy, and so I know, I'm sure Roger is. I'm going to take up on the offer. We're going to do some ride-alongs here in the East District so we get to understand uh, what our police are going through. And then we have plans for building bridges with the police department between the police department and the community. So that's exciting. So that, But that's challenging at the same time, too. People have looked at our vision and said, man, that's huge. That's a big vision. Oh, yeah, it is huge. And visions can be challenging. But you know what? A vision without challenges is not a vision at all. Quite frankly, a vision without challenges and surprises is not a vision at all. And here's the thing. I know we're getting ready in a few weeks to start 2019. And if 2019 is anything like 2018, guess what? There's going to be challenges. We're going to have challenges personally. We're going to have challenges spiritually. We're going to have challenges as a church in 2019. Well, we're, today we're, we're starting our Christmas series. We just finished First John last week. And today we're going to start our Christmas series. And when you look at the Christmas story, Christmas is full of challenges. Because Christmas is God bringing his vision to pass. See, here's the deal. God created humanity not because he was lonely, but God created humanity because he, he wanted that fellowship and for his good pleasure. And so he created humanity. And of course, the vision would have been obviously that we just lived in communion with God. But God knew better. He knew that by giving us free will that we would choose to rebel against him. He knew that was going to happen, but he created us anyways. 
And so God created us. And of course, as you know, the story in Genesis, uh, Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God. And so, again, sin entered into the world. But if you go back to Genesis, which we're going to start a series uh, in a couple weeks, first year called In the Beginning. And if you go back to Genesis, right from the get go, God cast the vision. I'm going to send a Messiah. And throughout the Old Testament, we have that vision. And he, and he eventually gathers together through Abraham. He, he has a chosen race, the Jewish race. But that vision is challenged because the Jews say, we don't want you to rule over us, God. We want a king. And so they choose a king. And, and, but God works through that. Even though they, they tried to do their own thing, God works through that. And, and then, and, but then there's a vision again, a challenge again, because the kingdom splits. But God works through the southern kingdom, even though the northern kingdom is basically cap, uh, carried off and assimilated. God continues to work for the southern kingdom. But then the challenge, even the vision is challenged again because eventually Alexander the Great marches in and he takes over the Jews. And then, and, and then basically after he dies, the, the, the Ptolemies and the Seleucids, they uh, reign over the Jews. And finally the Jews get tired of it. And there's a Jewish revolt called the Maccabean Revolt. But then eventually uh, Pompey, the Roman general, marches into town and he subdues the Jews. And, and, but the, God's vision is to have the Messiah come to the Jews. But there were all these challenges. What was going to happen? So the Christmas story, as we're leading up to today, is a story full of challenges. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1, the Gospel of Luke. And I want you to look at this because there, we're going to look at two people today who are faced with huge challenges when it regards to the Christmas story, the coming of the Messiah. And both these people respond in two different ways to the vision. They respond differently to the challenge. They respond differently to the surprises. And my question for you today is which one of the two identifies with you? Which one of these two are you? As you're faced with challenges in life, which one of the two would you happen to identify? So again, Luke chapter 1 is the Christmas story. It's been 400 years since they've heard from a prophet. All right. Four hundred years. So if you put that in our context, if there had been prophets, so to speak, in America, the last time we would have heard from a prophet of God would have been 1618. Four hundred years. A lot of people had born and died and born and died. And it seemed like the Messiah was never going to come. But God breaks through again with the vision. So we're going to look at the first guy. His name's Zachariah. You probably know uh, who he was. He was a priest. And uh, the priests would, they, they served in divisions and at points the different divisions would get to serve at the temple. And, and the priests did a lot of things. They did purification rites. They also maintained the temple and things like that. They also did the offerings for the people, the sacrifices and things like that. And so that was kind of their day-to-day -day routine. But there was one thing that you only got to do one time if you were a priest. Because it was, there were so many priests that they didn't get to do it. So one time... A priest in his lifetime hopefully got to burn incense in the temple. It was a very rare thing. It was not part of your common everyday things. It was a privilege to get chosen to burn incense in the temple. And this is where our passage starts. So take a look at Luke chapter 1, verse 8, and let's see what it says. Luke chapter 1, verse 8. When his, at Zechariah's, division was on duty, his priestly division, and he was serving as a priest for God, before God, it happened 
that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So again, this was a method they would use for choosing who was going to go into the temple and burn pre- and burn incense because this was a very rare and special thing. Verse 10, at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Look at verse 12. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome with fear. And I want to write in parentheses, do you think? <laughs> I mean, if you're in the temple burning incense and all of a sudden there's an angel. I mean, he, he I, I think, you know, is in the print. But if we had a camera in there, Zechariah went, what? what? You know, whoa, 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 what in the world? I mean, because again, nobody's to be in the temple when you're doing this. And this is shocking. So the only explanation for this, it could be an angel. And so look at what the angel tells him, verse, verse 13. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. It's interesting. Every time an angel appears in the Bible, always say, don't be afraid because it's overwhelming because your prayer has been heard. Now, real quickly, you may or may not know the story. Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, were childless and they were old people, older people at this time. Zechariah is probably getting near the end of his tenure as a priest. And, and in that culture, you have to understand that not to have children was aggravating at best, but generally it was looked down as a sign of God's punishment. That somehow you as a couple had done something wrong, and so God was not allowing you to have children. So for a Jewish family, particularly a Jewish woman in that culture, not to have children was a thing of shame. And most and Jewish women, again, if they didn't have children, they felt shameful because in that culture, children were viewed as a precious gift from God, that God had given you children. He had blessed you. And in fact, in that culture, the more children you had, the more blessed you were considered. And so here was this couple and Zechariah is a priest and obviously him and Elizabeth for years had been praying, God, give us a child. God, give us a child. God, give us a child. And this angel appears and he says, okay, your prayers have been heard. Look at what he says. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. I just want to stop there right quickly because this is not a national inquirer prophecy. Okay, look how, look how distinct this is. Your wife, Elizabeth. How'd you know her name? Angel from God. Will bear a son telling you the gender of your baby. Not only that, here's his name. His name's going to be John. And then it gets even better. Look at this, verse 14. There will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth. I mean, isn't that exciting? I mean, wouldn't you like it, parents, if, 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 if you're going to have a child, an angel appeared and said, that child's going to be a joy and delight. Wouldn't you be like, yes, great kid. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be a great future, okay? And so he, he tells that, and, and look at this. He says, many people will rejoice. I mean, wow, this son we're going to have, this is going to be an awesome kid. Look at verse 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he, while still in his mother's womb. I mean, this is, I mean, isn't this the vision every parent would love to have? I mean, your kid's going to be a joy and delight and people are going to rejoice because of him. And he's going to be filled with the spirit from the womb. And you have to understand in this period, and they're still living under the Old Testament uh, time frame. 
The Holy Spirit really wasn't really talked about or really wasn't much discussed in the Old Testament. But the Holy Spirit didn't fill people like he does today. If you're a believer, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Then he wasn't. But there, we're being told that this child, before he's even born, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And again, I'm sure Zacharias, like, well, and then, and then he goes on. He goes, look at verse 16. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. Again, what an incredible vision. I mean, our kid that we've been praying for, he, he, he's going to be a great kid. He's going to be a joy and delight. And people are going to turn to God. This is going to be awesome. And look at verse 17. And he will go before him capital H, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. I mean, this is too good to be true. I mean, our son's going to prepare the way for who? The Lord. Are you talking about the Lord, like the Messiah? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. You mean the Messiah is coming? Yeah, your son's going to be like Elijah. He's, he's going to be that, that prophet in the, in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I mean, this is, this is huge. This is a huge vision of, of what's going to happen. We're going to have a baby and look at all he's going to be and look at what he's going to do. And the Messiah is coming. But let me tell you something. When it comes to vision, a God-sized vision is full of challenges. A God-sized vision is full of challenges. Again, a vision is a picture of a preferred future. And you all have probably visions for your life. You probably have a financial vision for your life where you'd want to be. Uh, maybe you have a vision, hopefully, for your family that you want them to walk with the Lord. Uh, we have a vision for this church that we want to create bridges into our community and we want to be a church that makes an impact into our community. And that's that's why we have the vision of the hub. And, and again, for Zachariah and Elizabeth, this was a preferred picture. They're going to have a son. That's what they wanted. And not only that, it, he's going to be a good son. And not only that, he's going to be a godly son. And not only that, he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. So, so I mean, as a parent, if, if that's your, your vision of a future, especially in that culture, in that age, you'd be like, yeah, that's the ultimate kid outside of the Messiah. I mean, wow, this, this, is the, this is the future we want. The Messiah is going to come and our son's going to be a part of it. But here's the thing. A vision, a God-sized vision is always challenging. It's always going to have its challenges. If you're like, man, you know, in 2019, I really want to grow closer to the Lord. Well, let me just tell you, it's going to have challenges. It's going to have challenges. You're like, hey, 2019, I want to read my Bible through. Great. Let's do it. It's going to have challenges. It's going to have challenges. Hey, in 2019, I want to be a, a better spouse. Great. It's going to have its challenges. Because a God-sized vision has challenges. Now look at Zechariah's response. Look at verse 18. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. So here's the challenge. Angel, I'm an old man. Now, 
Zechariah is a wise man. Notice how he refers to his wife. And my wife is well along in years. That's a wise man right there, okay? He didn't say that same way about her. You know, he, he was, he's pretty good there. He, he knew better. So I'm an old man and she's well along in years. How can I know this? Here's a question. How do you respond with those God-sized challenges? For example, we finished first John and we talked about, you know, John talks about walking in the light and he says we walk in the light when we obey God's commands. We said, what are God's commands? It's very simple, but it's very profound. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. But there's a lot of challenge with that, right? Because there's people sometimes you just don't want to love. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you and I want to go our own way because, again, we still have that sinful nature and things like that. And so, again, following God has its challenges. And here's Zechariah. He is a priest. I mean, this guy, I mean, he has been serving God for a lifetime. He knows the Old Testament prophecies. He knows about the coming Messiah. He's obviously a man of prayer because him and Elizabeth are, are, are praying. And, and again, he wouldn't pray that if he didn't believe the impossible. But despite of who he was and what he knew, when God says, okay, I'm giving you the vision, he had an objections. He had some objections. See, it's not always a matter of what you know or who you are. When God presents the vision, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? You know, Zechariah said he believed God. But when it really came down to it, he balked. He had questions. Now, skip down to verse 26 because I want to look at another person. Verse 26. Now, this is six months later. So fast forward six months. So we'll just say that... Zechariah, the angel appeared to Zechariah in June. Let's fast forward to January or whatever. And I want you to go with me geog geographically several miles to the north to a little village in Nazareth to a nondescript house to a nondescript typical Jewish family. We don't know anything about this family other than this. Look at verse 26. In the sixth month after the announcement to Zechariah, the angel Gabriel... So we have the angel's name now was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. So so here's this. Here's the angel Gabriel. And he, and he goes to Mary. The, and he says, the Lord is with you. Now, again, why Mary? Most scholars believe that she was probably about 15 years old when this happened. She, she was a teenager at this time. She was a peasant girl. Now, you say, how do you know that? Because later when Jesus is born, when her and Joseph go to the temple, the offering that they offer is the offering of a poor person. So she's a peasant, poor Teenage girl. She's a resident of Nazareth. And Nazareth was kind of a frontier, backwater town. The people from that area were known for the way they talked because they talked kind of funny and things like that. So they were known for their crude way of talking and the funny way of talking. And the, uh, the only thing that Mary has going for her is she's of the house of David, of the lineage of David. But you've got to remember, at this point, there would be hundreds of people of the house of David. So why Mary? 
Why marry? Maritally, she's not married. She's engaged. And twice, we read that she's a virgin. Let me tell you something about a God-sized challenge. A God-sized vision always has challenges, but let me tell you something else. A God-sized vision is always full of surprises. (laughs) A God-sized vision is always full of surprises. Look at verse 30. Then the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, before Gabriel drops the bomb on Mary, he just says, I want you to know, God's looked down and he's like her. You found favor with God. Because she's probably at this point thinking, why me? Because unlike Zachariah and Elizabeth who were praying for a child, I can guarantee you Mary at this point was not praying for a child. Because she's not married. So her and Joseph, even though they're engaged, I guarantee you she's not praying for a child at this point. And so she's probably wondering, why me? I'm not even married. What, what, what do you mean? And again, a God-sized vision is always full of surprises. Look at verse 31. Now listen, here's what he says. You will conceive. Oh, that's a surprise. And give birth to a son. That's specific. And you will call his name Jesus. That's specific again, just like John or Zechariah. Look at verse 32. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high God and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody gave you a piece of news and it immediately threw your mind into a tailspin? I've had the very unfortunate experiences of having to go in and tell somebody that their loved one was just killed. And when that happens, they just, they don't know how to respond. And there's those, those moments for the next five or ten minutes when, when your brain's just overwhelmed with the information and you don't know how to process it. You don't know how to process my husband who, you know, we just went to bed here a while ago and had a good night's sleep and now you're telling me he's gone? Uh, my child who, who just went to ball practice, you're telling me she's been killed? And, and when you get that, that huge, overwhelming news, sometimes our mind just can't process it because it just doesn't compute. What do you, this, the, how can this be? He was healthy. She was fine. She's a good driver. What do you mean? And, and so right here, I think Mary's head is just spinning because here she is. She's not even married. She's a virgin and he's, she's told him, you're going to conceive and you're going to have a son. His name is going to be Jesus. He will be great. God's going to give him the throne of David. His reign will be forever. His reign will know no end. And I'm just like, Mary's like, what? And, and Mary's head still in a tailspin. You know how I know? Look at verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I've not been intimate with a man? Wait, 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 wait. This doesn't compute. Wait, 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 wait. Back up, back up. This doesn't work this way, angel. And why are you picking me? Okay, I, I'm not rich. I, I'm not even married. I'm not famous. Why me? I'm just a teenage girl in the backwaters of Galilee who talks kind of funny. I'm not even married. Why me? 
how, how can this, this, this doesn't make sense. Again, God's challenges are full of surprises and God's challenges go against the grain because you have to understand, I, I don't think we really understand the gravity of it, especially the way our culture is today. To be an unwed pregnant girl in that culture was scandalous. I'm sure Mary's starting to process this. Wait, 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 wait. I, I'm going to have a baby and I'm not even married. And, and do you, are you aware, Gabriel, that according to Jewish law, that if we were totally carrying out the Torah today, they could take me out and stone me? Are you aware of that? Are, are you aware that that can, can happen? I mean, uh, uh, Gabriel, do you, do you not know that when I walk down the street with that baby bump, people are going to be looking at me and talking? But do you not know that my parents, there's going to be people wanting to talk to my parents about me? Do you not know how Joseph's going to feel like this? He's probably going to divorce me. I mean, do you, that, well, well, th this is a humongous challenge. This is a surprise. Nobody's heard of this. Virgin will conceive. What? 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 And again, a God-sized vision is always full of challenges. Look at verse 35. The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Wait, 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 wait. The holy, the holy what? The Holy Spirit. I'm not sure I get that, angel, because I don't really read about the Holy Spirit. I never heard about the Holy Spirit in synagogue. I mean, I've kind of heard references to the Spirit of God. What do you mean the Holy Spirit? I thought God was one. Yes. The shadow of the Most High. Holy Spirit. And the one that's been born to you will be the Son of God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This doesn't compute here, angel. I thought God was one. You're, now you're telling me three. Yeah, three, but one. I don't get that. Again, a God-sized challenge is full of surprises. Look at another surprise, verse 36. And consider your relative, Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called Childless. Now, you guys have to remember this was before Facebook and Instagram. So Elizabeth wasn't posting pictures of her baby bump. All right, for Mary to see. So Mary had no clue because Elizabeth's way down in Jerusalem. Mary's way up in, in Nazareth. So in a probably their age difference, Mary, a teenager, Elizabeth would have been a senior adult. They probably didn't weren't pen pals and didn't exchange letters and things like that. And, and again, there was really no reason for correspondence and stuff like that. But so she's like, wait, 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 I'm going to have a baby and I'm a virgin. And then Elizabeth, who's a senior adult, is going to have a baby, too. And now here's the thing. It would have been surprising for Elizabeth to have a baby, but it was impossible for Mary to have a baby. It would have been surprising for uh, to for Elizabeth's husband to have a son, but it would be shocking for Joseph to find out he was going to have a son when they're not even married and they've been keeping their relationship pure. It, 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 honestly, it, while it would not have been surprising for Elizabeth's child, who was going to be the forerunner of the king, it, it would have been shocking to realize that my child, Mary's child, is going to be the king. I mean, Elizabeth, she's married to a priest. That makes sense. I'm nothing. What do you mean? Again, 
God-sized vision is full of challenges and it's full of surprises. Look what he says here, verse 37 to Mary. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, angel sums it up, Mary, this isn't a big deal for God. Okay, I mean, God's God. All right, so this isn't going to be hard for God. Now, again, the question is not, why did God give me this challenge? Because the reality is you and I are going to face challenges. You're going to face challenges with your family. How am I going to respond? Am I going to respond in a Christ-like way? Am I going to love even when right now they're not really unlovable? Am I going to, am I going to respond with self-control even when the world's telling me, go for it? Am I going to respond to a harsh response with kindness? Am I going to respond to somebody that's lashing out with me with gentleness? You know, if my vision is, uh, as a Christ follower, I I want the Holy Spirit to live through me. I want Christ to live through me. I I want to exhibit that fruit of the Spirit. It's going to come with challenges. You know, people always say, God, you know, don't pray for patience. You know, you've probably heard that one. How am I going to respond to that? Maybe that's your struggle. Maybe you're like, Lord, I, I really need patience. All right, he's going to challenge you. As a church. We're a small church, but we want to have a large impact. We, we definitely want to communicate with our community. And we started a couple of weeks ago with the blessing box. And those things that we have 2019, I get it. It's a huge vision. It's going to have its challenges. It's going to have its surprises. There's going to be those surprises. How are we going to respond to it? How are you going to respond to it? So when I look at this text, I think there's two ways of response. First of all, the response of unbelief. I just don't believe it. I just don't believe that. I can have patience. Well, you can't, but God can through you if you will allow him. I just don't believe I can be kind. Well, maybe you can't in your own sinfulness, but God can if you allow him to live through you. See, Zechariah's like, I just don't believe that we can have this child. Again, you can go back up to that passage. How can I know this? Uh, I'm an old man and my wife's well along in here. I don't, I don't necessarily believe this, angel. And for a lot of people, that's the response. Read through the Bible in 2019. I don't believe I can do that. And a lot of people do that. And so they never experience God. They never experience spiritual growth. They never grow up as a Christian because they're just a spiritual baby. Because whenever they've, they, they've, they've been faced with those God-sized challenges, they've said, I don't believe I can do it. Well, you can't do it, honestly. But God can through you if you will allow him. Or are you going to respond to the challenges you're facing this time of the year and next year with humility? You're right. That's Mary's response. I am the Lord's slave. If you look at verse 38. I'm the Lord's slave. May it be done to me according to your word. You know why God chose Mary? Because God knows the heart. Oh, no, yeah, there were other girls that would have fit the bill. But God, in his foreknowledge, knew that Mary would respond this way. Because he knows us so intimately and he knew that she had a heart of humility. And even though this was a God-sized challenge, she's going to have a baby, even though she's not married, even though she's a virgin, and even though she's going to face a lot of ridicule and a lot of looks, he knew at the end of the day Mary would say, I'm just your slave. Okay. 
How are you going to respond to challenges? How are you going to respond to those challenges? Are you going to respond with, I just don't believe I can do it? Well, you can't, and you won't. I always tell people in the weight loss thing, when you say I can't, really just replace it with I won't. Because that's really what you're saying. I can't do that. Well, then really you're saying I won't. Bottom line, anything, whenever we say that, I can't. Really what we're usually saying is I won't. When God puts those challenges in your path, are you going to be like, I can't do this? When you're really saying I won't. Or will you say, you know, God, I don't know how you're going to work through this, but I'm just your servant. God, I don't know how I'm going to be kind to that family member, but you know what? Just give me the wisdom to be slow to speak, quick to listen. God, I'm really struggling with patience right now. Help me just to rest in you. I, I will rest in you. I will put my faith in you. I will trust you. It's hard. I get it. God, we're a, a small church and there's lots of people in our community and we know we're sitting in the middle of a mission field, but we don't have a ton. But we're going to trust you to use us. We'll just be your servant. However that's going to be. Whatever that's going to look like. And there may be some surprises along the way. How are you responding to God-sized challenges? Let me ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Right now in your life, you may be faced with some really God-sized challenges. How are you responding to them? Are you on your knees or driving down the road saying, God, I'm just a servant? Live through me. I need strength to be patient, so I will be patient. I need strength to be kind. I need strength to be gentle. I need strength to be self-controlled. Father, help me to love as you love. Father, I, I have an anger problem. Help me, Lord, to be slow to speak, quick to listen. Father, I'm faced with a challenge in my marriage or I'm faced with a challenge in finances. Lord, I'm going to rest in you. How are you responding? Heavenly Father, I know that all of us respond. I have challenges in our lives and all of us respond. Many times, Father, we've been guilty of responding poorly to those God-sized challenges. I pray this morning that all of us will learn from Mary, a teenage girl in Nazareth, and that all of us today will dedicate ourselves to having the response of a young girl to a God-sized challenge. I'm your slave. I'm your servant. I'm here for you. You are my salvation. Father, there may be somebody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe somebody watching by Facebook. They wonder what Christmas is all about. It's all about this. That you sent your Son into the world to die for us. For our sins. And that whoever calls upon Him will be saved. So Father, there may be some watching here on Facebook. There may be some in this room this morning who have never bowed their knee and asked you to be their Lord and Savior. I pray that today they'll repent of their sins 
and turn to Christ. The biggest challenge is to repent and turn to Christ. Father, I pray that if there's some who are under that conviction of the Holy Spirit, that they'll repent and turn to you now and call out for you to save them. Father, whatever challenges you have brought to our minds right now that we're all facing, I pray this week that we'll dedicate ourselves to responding not with unbelief, but with humility. And Father, I pray this time next week when we gather together as we continue our celebration of the birth of your Son, that we can look back this week and see how you've worked in us through those challenges. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen.